The views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, advertising partners, or ownership of Forever Communications. It's time for the Tri-State Sports Podcast, presented by Jerry Ward Autoplex and the Hawks Nest. Now, here are your hosts, John Thornton and Jordan Taylor. And welcome in. It is the Tri-State Sports Program, presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. John Thornton and Jordan Taylor, thrilled to be joined today by the Executive Director of the Weekly County Sports Hall of Fame, live from his posh office at Security Bank and Trust Company in Martin. He is John Hatler. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, man. Pumped up. Anytime I get to hang out with uh, you two, it's going to be a fun day. <laughs> it is indeed. Uh, John, you, of course, you can always reach us on Twitter at John underscore MT18 is my handle. You can reach Jordan at JT underscore 1823. You can reach us on the Froggy handle at NWTN underscore Froggy. You can text us on the text line. It's 731-885-9999. You can tweet at Hatler at, at Hatler06 on Twitter. And uh, we're going to get to talking about some of his uh, favorite teams, including the uh, Cowboys, who had a game over the weekend. And he's probably going to go on a rant, so we'll give him the floor for that later on in the show. But we'll start, as we always do, a little bit of a shuffle with our normal way of doing things today. We're going to move all our local basketball into one segment later on in the show. We'll talk at length with John Hatler about that. So we'll start with the local headlines as we always do with the state and local level. We'll start with Tennessee football early enrollees now on campus as, you, as Tennessee kind of resets the clock and getting ready for spring practice, which will be coming up here in a couple of weeks. But then, Jordan, a lot of news on your front last week as Tennessee Titans have now hired 49ers Director of Player Personnel Rand Carthon as their new general manager. Your thoughts on your GM hire in Nashville? I didn't really know how hard it was to research general managers until I started trying to research this guy. Obviously, the, the situation that the Titans are in currently, any fan, uh, when something like this happens, you're going to want to go see if he's – um, going, going to be your guy, but I think it's like anything else, John and, and Hatler. I mean, when you hire a new guy, you want him to, to prove to you that he's the guy, whether it's the decisions uh, he makes or how, you know, how people like him or whatever it may be. Um, but the main thing that they talked about in the press conference was, you know, that our main thing he talked about in the press conference was that he was going to get with Mike Grable and decide on the type of guys that they need to go get the same cliche stuff. So, We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. But um, I mean, there is there there is some good things on his resume, from what I can tell. There are only two things. You break up a great point, Jordan. People that use cliches, they use cliches for two reasons. Number one, they're not going to tell you what they're going to do because you don't deserve to know yet. And number two, <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. So when you hear cliches, you really need to hold, especially for the Titans' sake. It's number one. I like to hire. I think it's real easy to research a GM, Jordan, because you just go find who's winning and go get them. And yep. that's what John Robinson, I mean, again, brought him in from an organization that knew what they were doing. Uh, he, I believe there were still some good things ahead for the Titans, and he did do some good things. I think he laid the groundwork uh, for some success in the future. So, yeah, you're right. G, GM's names aren't out there much unless they're about to get fired. And uh, yep. uh, But that's the thing. I think it's a good hire. I think they went and got somebody from the right program. Jordan, any news on your offensive coordinator search? Where haven't heard ever? much. Haven't heard much this week. Last week there was, uh, you know, there was talks about several different guys 
that's another thing. I mean, the, the especially being in some of these fan groups on, on Facebook where people, you know, buy and sell tickets and then all these Titans fans are talking. Uh, any Anything that could happen, they're putting it in there. I mean, it could be anything from John Hatler being the OC, to, you know, John Thornton being the OC, to, you know, actually somebody that's legit a contender. So, uh, when you're trying to when you're trying to talk to some of these guys and and uh, you know do your research, figure out who's actually out there. I think it goes back to what Hatler was talking about just a few minutes ago. Uh, they don't want anybody to really know. I don't think. I think it's going to kind of just be uh, one of those things you might hear about a day or two before, and then it happens. We will see what goes on there. Uh, moving on to the Memphis Grizzlies, who kind of had an eventful weekend. Uh, they currently sit a game and a half back from the Nuggets as the number two seed in the Western Conference. They uh, snapped and had a, an 11 game losing or winning streak snapped on Friday night as they lost to the Lakers and then actually lost to the Suns over the weekend. But uh, I guess the highlight, if you want to call it that, or the reason they're in the headlines more than anything right now, I mean, they really don't get much press even when they're really good, uh, which they are right now. Even John Morant, who was drug tested for a seventh time over the weekend because he went nuts in, in, a, in the MLK Day win. Uh, even that didn't get much pub, but boy, howdy, gentlemen. Uh, you get Dylan Brooks into a shouting match with Shannon Sharp sitting courtside, and Hatler's already shaking his head. Uh, you get that going on at halftime of a Lakers game, and now all of a sudden every major sports or news network wants to talk about it. So let's just talk about it. Hatler, uh, what did you make of it all? Well, I, I make of it is um, one of my favorite sayings right now is, unathletic parents living their unathletic lives to their kids. Now, Shannon Sharp was a heck of an athlete, great NFL football player. But And, and you, although y'all are not this way yet, people that are in the media, especially TV and radio, yeah. he said, in yeah. time have an opportunity to let their ego override the level of their significance and importance. We will all be there. Y'all will get there, but I have full confidence that the level-headed young men that you are will never allow that to happen. However, when you have people in Sharp and Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith and Nick Wright, when you give these goofballs a platform, what you saw on the sideline of the Lakers game is what's happened. It was what tends to happen. If I would have behaved that way on the sideline, I would have been thrown out and man from every NBA Coliseum mm -hmm. for the rest of my life but I'm not Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp would stomp a mud hole in my behind and walk it dry. So I'm not <laughs> going to say, but that's what happened. I think it was a joke. And I think it also, put it on a serious note, I think it highlights why uh, nobody watches NBA anymore. And I think it highlights, you know, trying to – the seven drug tests on John Morant, that is what it is. I guarantee you there are plenty of other NBA basketball players getting drug tested as uh, much as he is. The difference is they're not talking about it. But um, yeah, that this is why NBA has become somewhat unwatchable because you do have a good team in the Memphis Grizzlies that plays team basketball, that has a superstar, yet they're in a small market and they're making waves and rumbles throughout the league. The league doesn't like that. They are they are heck bent on making sure LeBron James gets one more title before <laughs> he gets done, which will not happen. And and they're going to they're just going to kind of. Pick on the little guy. You know, that's just how it is, and that's the way of the world. And uh, the Grizzlies going to have to fight twice as hard. Is, is it either one and a half games back of the Nuggets? they got yeah. to work three times as hard to get the recognition that they truly deserve. Mm -hmm. Jordan, any thoughts on uh, that Shannon Sharp outburst? 
Uh, no. Uh, I mean, he was obviously a really good player. Uh, I, I will say this, and a lot of Grizzlies fans aren't going to like it, but the Grizzlies talk too much too. And the, to be they do. Absolutely. Young, to be as young as they are, and I know they prove themselves, but, you know, Jai even made a comment about a month ago, maybe three or four weeks ago, that it doesn't matter. He said he's not worried about the West. That's kind of bold to say. Um, I don't really understand why you would say that when you haven't made it to the NBA Finals and won the West yet. So um, you better be worried about the West, Jai, and, and maybe they should uh, maybe they should tone it back a little bit too and just, just play ball on the court, man. Just play ball. Well, I mean, like you said, Jordan, they are notorious right now for their trash talking for, for better or for worse. Um, you know, you, I mean, you, you hate it if you're an opponent. You love it if you're a fan. I mean, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm like, please, if you're going to at least talk all this crap, back it up and, and win games and, and beat good teams. And for the most part, they do. Uh, and, and so, you know, at the end of the day, when when, the, when you win, I'm not going to be upset about it. But when you, you lose and you choke away a game in L.A. because Shannon Sharp clearly gets in your head, um, please just shut your mouth and play. Uh, I mean, that, that's really all I – you know, I'm thinking about here. But, you know, I told a friend over the weekend, this is nothing new. I mean, look, I'm thinking back to watching the 30 for 30s of the 90s where Spike Lee and Reggie Miller are jawing back and forth. Uh, John, you probably remember that more than we do. But And then, I mean, in our day, Jordan, you've got Drake who does the same thing with, with the current level. I mean, this is nothing new. Do I think he pro- that Sharp probably should have gotten tossed? Yeah, but it's L.A. Like Hatler said, it's, it's all about the ratings. It's all about the league. And so, I mean, it's a soap opera. Uh, you know, that, that's that's really what I come back to. Moving on, if we're done with uh, Shannon Sharp, uh, let's move on to Vol Basketball, who picked up a couple of wins last week and now back to number four in the new AP poll that came out this morning with wins over Mississippi State and LSU, currently number two, a number two seed in Joe Lenardi's bracketology. And then over the weekend, UT Martin, Basketball had a or men's basketball had a nice win over Eastern Illinois. Hatler a six-way tie for first place wow. in men's basketball at the top of the OVC. Your thoughts on what's going on? And then the women obviously dropped a couple of tough ones last week. And Coach McMillan trying to keep it afloat with just seven healthy players right now. Uh, but your thoughts on Skyhawk basketball where things stand right now? A lot like high school and college football, the biggest leap and improvements game one to game two. It's like that way in your basketball programs, year one to year two. And I think you're seeing uh, Ryan Ritter and what he's implemented at UT Martin is really taking off. Not surprised that you're talking about a six-way tie for first place. You know, when Belmont and, and Murray State made the decision to leave for the Missouri Valley, I was one that moronic move for a basketball standpoint for Murray State because I didn't know that they could compete at that level. Boy, was I wrong. Uh, they're having doing very well in the Missouri Valley. But what has happened is – you know, uh, Murray State and Belmont set that bar so high in the Ohio Valley Conference and everybody was just trying to get up there. And you really had, you know, three teams at the top, then there was a bracket of teams, and then the, another bracket of teams at the bottom. And the ones that were at the bottom were really, really bad. UT Martin was one of them for a couple of years after, you know, just, well, historically has been kind of that bottom tier. However, what you're seeing now is the entire level of play is starting to tick up in the Ohio Valley Conference. And I'm not surprised it's a six-way tie. UT Martin is sitting here defending the home and large. Only lost one game at home this year. They have some insanely athletic players. Uh, The Elam Center needs to start getting full because uh, if you like basketball and you like college basketball 
And and the men's game at UT Martin is starting to be really fun to watch. They get down and dirty on defense. Uh, they can make some shots. They'll get to the rim. You just got some dogs underneath the basket that are going to go get rebounds and kick it out. Uh, the men's program, it's it's finally fun to watch again. I mean, he Schroyer was here. It got to be fun. You guys were around during that time. But but now it's kind of back to that. And, uh, you know, the women are – it just is what it is. The seven dressed-out players beat up, banged up, but you still have some of the best young players in the conference and really in the country in the mid-major side of things. You know, Curry Jelks from Jackson Southside is an unbelievable – a uh, player, Kevin McMillan and staff, once again, going out and beating the bushes and grabbing young ladies that people kind of overlooked and developing them into players. You know, they're going to be fine if they can get Paige Pipkin back, which she's slowly coming off of her stress fracture. They can get her into warming up and kind of the flow of things and really save the health and qualify for the tournament and roll on. I think, Jordan, I think you or, you or someone made a tweet about how this OVC tournament could be really, really good, boys and girls coming up, and I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, six teams right now in the running for the number one seed. I mean, it sounds almost like, you know, you talk about the removal of Belmont and Murray and Jordan. You know, every year we'd go up there, and it was always those were the one-two seed in some order, and you just kind of felt like everybody was trying to pull off an upset. Well, you know, it feels like with, with the way it is right now, with, with six guys kind of in the mix there, Jordan, might be as wide open in Evansville for the first time in a long time as it's been. Yeah, I mean, and I would argue that a lot of these smaller conferences that really are getting overlooked are starting to improve basketball. You know, I think basketball-wise, at least, there's a lot of a lot of teams that are getting better, and you know, that, that's going to make March even more fun. You know, if a few of them sneak into the tournament, and you know, we're always looking for that smaller school to, to make a run and to upset a few people, and hopefully, it's somebody from uh, the OBC. One last bit of UT Martin news. John Mathan Hatchie declares for the NFL draft yesterday. Tell us what teams can look for in him. Well, they're going to look someone who's insanely intelligent, uh, low center of gravity, can hold up well in pass protection and in the run. Well, I think he was the second highest center in the FCS level when he graded out this year over 92%, I believe it was. Uh, this is just a guy that's going to work. And, you know, you kind of hope he – I mean, he's going to have to play center, I would think, at the NFL just because he stands about 6'1", 6'2". Uh, that's about as big as he's going to get. So i got to figure that's where he'll be. But you're going to be hard-pressed to find a more cerebral center coming out of college than you're going to find with Hatchie here at UT Martin. Obviously, good luck to him going forward. Let's take a break, gentlemen. We'll come back. We'll get into some of the national headlines as more as well as some high school basketball later as well as NFL divisional round coverage coming up later. Stay tuned. More coming right after this on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. For your next car or truck, come see Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Jerry Ward and his all-star team have a lot filled with pre-owned small, mid-sized, and full-size cars, SUVs, and nice trucks, too. And if they don't have the right size, they'll find it for you. No matter what you're looking for, score your next ride at Jerry Ward Autoplex, Real Foot Avenue in Union City, or online at jerrywardautoplex.com. Like Jerry always says, don't dream it, drive it. Be a winner with Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Segment two on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. John Thornton and Jordan Taylor. We're thrilled to be joined today by our very good friend and special guest, Weekly County 
executive director or executive director of the Weekly County Sports Hall of Fame, John Hatler. Let's start with the NFL headlines, which we still have five NFL coaching searches ongoing. We have been doing this kind of same uh, carousel for two weeks now, John, and none of these five teams have made a hire. And I'm not going to read off all these lists of the interviews or the requested interviews because quite extensive. Uh, one name that is off the board is Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, is saying he will stay with Detroit. So that's really the and Jim Harbaugh, he's off the board too. But it was always kind of hit or miss if he was on the board. So, John, your thoughts on these five openings, uh, the candidates to watch, and and what job you might want if you're a coach trying to to take over one of these franchises. When he said Ben Johnson, I thought we were about talking about Ben Johnson for South Gibson County High School. <laughs> Uh, no, you know, I really think it's a D'Amico Ryan sweepstakes at this point. I don't think you're going to see a lot of movement until the 49ers are out. Uh, if I'm a general manager for an NFL team, that's number one on my hit list. I mean, that's who I'm going after. I'm backing up the Brinks truck for that guy and trying to get him in. I'm also going after, and his name escapes me, but the Bengals defensive coordinator. Callahan, is it yeah, Mike Callahan, Callahan something like that? Like, like what he's doing there. They were talking about him yesterday. And, uh, you know, Cal, y'all remember Jordan Hankins, who's a defensive coordinator here at UT Martin. It's now the linebackers coach at Memphis. Towards the end of his time here as a defensive coordinator, I asked him one time, I said, well, how much play calling do you do on the sideline? He went, none. The reason that was is because he got to the point where those young men knew exactly what they were supposed to do. They didn't have to be a lot of they didn't have to be a lot of play calling from the side because they were so ingrained in the system and what keys to look for in certain situations. And it became a one word, you know, check down to figure what they were doing. That's what's going on with the Bengals right now. I mean, this is a defense that can stay out there on all four downs. They don't need to be substituting in and out. They're very well versed in what they want to do. And we saw it yesterday. I mean yeah, the Buffalo Bills became the feel-good story of the NFL playoff weeks ago. And I think deep down, everybody was rooting for the Bills to get to the Super Bowl because of DeMar Hamlin. In the same breath, I think a lot of us football fans, too, were like, man, I wish the Bengals and Bills could have played next week and not this week. And so I like what those two defensive coordinators are doing. I think that's where this league is heading again, is back on the defensive side of the football. It's going to move away from offense. I think defense is going to be in vogue again. And uh, like I said, it's a D'Amico Ryan sweepstakes for me. Which job sticks out to you the most? Which one would, do you want if you're D'Amico Ryan's? If I'm D'Amico Ryan's, I'm probably taking a good hard look at Carolina. I think that's a weird place you can go win quickly in a, the NFC South, which is not notably very good, kind of like the, the AFC South. Uh, I like Houston a little bit too because, again, the AFC South, that's a lead, that's a division that thinks so there's a lot of upheaval in it, and you can go in there and win immediately. But the, the kind of the, my third one there is the Colts. I mean, the Colts is a, a, a franchise that had a lot of success for a while. I think they're trying to kind of figure things out. I think Ursay needs to get off the Jeff Saturday train. Although I didn't, thank you. I didn't, I didn't hate the hire in the in the circumstance in which it was, but. Uh, you know, keep Saturday on uh, as you had as a special uh, analyst or something like that. But I, I think that I, I would go Carolina first, then I go Texans, and then I, I jump back and go to the Colts. I stay in the South, whether it's AFC or NFC, because both those divisions stink. Yep. Is, man. That's true. Go ahead. Oh, did you have something? I thought you were going to say something, Jordan. 
Now, you heard my thoughts last week. The only, things I, the only thing I think the Colts need to do is make sure they draft Will Levis. But other than that, I think everything else is um, everything no. else is shaking out. No. That's not like a shot across the bow at you, Thornton. You have, John, you have no idea. It, it's, it is every day, whether it's Jordan or someone else has sent me all these mock drafts and all these tweets. The Colts are going to trade up to draft Will Levis. So the Colts are going to take uh, Will Levis over C.J. Stroud at number four. And every time I, I send them vomiting emojis because I want nothing to do with it. I, I truly <laughs> do not want Will Levis on, on this football team. I will say one guy one guy that must be popular is John Hattler because we've had like four people randomly try to join our live stream here today. I don't know if we're getting hacked by somebody or, or what. I don't no, know if trying to... They're trying to join. I don't blame them. They're probably my Texas buddies, man. It could be. It would be. Hey. If you want if you want some Texas flavor, spice this sucker out of me in. Uh, elsewhere around the NFL, it came out that many in the Tampa Bay organization believe Tom Brady is done in Tampa, which is no surprise there. Joe Namath said that the Jets can unretire number 12 for Aaron Rodgers if he comes to New York. Aaron Donald says he is indeed coming back to the Rams after speculation on if he would retire. Aaron Rodgers, though, says he wants no part of a rebuild in Green Bay. He thinks he can win another MVP in the right situation. But Gronk ripped him in public, saying he should be focusing on winning Super Bowls. So what sticks out from this quarterback-heavy list of headlines there? That Rob Gronkowski is telling someone to concentrate on winning Super Bowls. <laughs> uh, I, do like, I, I do love Joe Namath and what he said. You know, unretired 12 kind of speaks to him of, of what he wants the jet jets you know i'm sorry if you're a jets fan i truly feel bad for you i mean i love used to watch uh, you know gastineau play and those big defense joe klecko those big defensive ends back in the day but yeah the jets have just been a, a nfl franchise that have lived in obscurity for way too long i would love to see the jets be relevant again i think it'd be good to see both new york teams be relevant i don't want uh, necessarily either one of them winning a Super Bowl, but just having to be a Jets fan, I'm starting to feel for the dude in the fire hat. I mean, it, he it's got to be tough being a Jets fan. So I, I'm kind of there with Joe Namath. He's uh, unretired number 12 for Aaron Rodgers, and I, I would like to see Brady just go away. I mean, Amen. he's had a great career, good for him. Uh, you know, he's had a rough offseason personal life. He had a good he had a good career. He's got a – I would love to hear him and Peyton Manning talking back and forth on an NFL game day somewhere. But, uh, yeah, just Joe Namath, unretire that jersey, baby. Jordan is chuckling. I'm laughing because I guess I might start letting some of these people in here. I had no idea that they were going to try to join, so I'm getting <laughs> bombarded by folks. <laughs> so I'm, I'm over here trying to cancel them, and, and, and there are probably some people, Hatlers, wanting to get in here. But we'll try to get in here. Just a <laughs> Going back to what I going back to the, the Brady and Rogers talk, neither one of them are done, guys. I mean, I think we both are kind of at the point where we're like, I think we all three are, and a lot of other people are at the point where we think they should hang it up. But I think we can all agree that those two are different characters. I mean, they both are. I mean, Rogers is going to keep playing because we all know the reports about, you know, nobody really gets along with him family wise, or maybe he doesn't have a lot of ties to really want to quit. And then obviously we know what happened this year with Tom Brady and, um, there's, there, you know, he's pretty much through all of it, everything at football. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. But I think both of them are going to continue to play. 
Yeah, I, and I mean, the likelihood, it seems, is that Brady heads west. Uh, whether it's the Raiders, the 49ers, those kind of seem to be the popular choices right now for Brady. But uh, he's definitely done on the East Coast, it, it sounds like, for better or for worse, which I'm with John. Just just go away. Dude, you have $375 million waiting for you to go to work at Fox. Just go work at Fox. I mean, what else do you want to do? I, I mean, I just I, – I don't know. I don't get it. I, I guess we're, we're adding one of uh, Hatler's friends. Do you know Skip Hatler? Yeah, Chad Miles. He's uh, one of the best long snappers in the history of Red Oak or uh, of Texas high school football, and uh, <laughs> one of my one of my dearest friends growing up from way back. Uh, so yeah, yeah, there he is. Look at him. That's so he's so handsome. You'll have to unmute your mic there, uh, Skip or Chad or yeah. There you go. I thought, I thought yeah. we were getting hacked, so I was kicking you out of the studio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know people, so I guess I, I was texting Hatler to let me back in. So I know nothing about tri-state football. Uh, I know a thing or two about Cowboys, and uh, uh, so we're a little bit uh, – we're ha- hanging our heads a bit today. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you John, guys think, are. John, I think we should wrap up this segment and go straight to our uh, our Cowboys talk. You want to? Yeah, let's go ahead and wrap up this segment. We'll do that, and we'll get straight into our NFL segment for the day. We'll take a break. We'll come back more in a moment on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. Are you looking for a place to sit back, relax, and support your favorite sports teams? It's the Hawks Nest Bar and Grill in Martin. On Mondays, $3 well shots and $1 90 light cans. Also, weekly cornhole tournaments with $10 blind draws, sign-ups at 6, and bags fly at 7. Titsy Tuesdays, trivia night, $2 well tequila shots, $2 90 cans, two-for-one well shots, and also $2 tacos. Wednesday, wing Wednesday with 50-cent wings. Karaoke on Thursday and each and every weekend, live music. So be sure to stop by and support your favorite local bands at the Hawks Nest at 105 Church Street in Martin. Segment number three on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by Jerry Ward Autoplex and the Hawks Nest. Well, NFL Divisional Round is in the books, and as we have uh, two Cowboys fans now with us here on the show, I I guess it's only fitting that we we start there and just let them give us the state of Dallas after a new year and the same Cowboys losing in the Divisional Round. Um, gentlemen, I, I apologize. I will say I did wish you the best yesterday um, as a Tennessee fan who watched my my favorite football program wallow in misery for 20 years, it felt like. Um, I, I sympathize with both of you, and it just <laughs> seems like Dallas can never get over the hump. So uh, whoever wants to start, take it away. Give us the state of Dallas. I, I'm, I'm going to defer to Skip over here because he is uh... – He's right there at the Metroplex, and I can tell you my misery, which y'all know my misery with the Cowboys, but this is going to come from someone that that's still there in the thick of it, that goes to ball game, that has an innate understanding of Texas high school football, Texas collegiate football. Uh, he's an SMU graduate, and so he's been through the ringers with, with his football program as well. And now he's having to lick his wounds as a Dallas Cowboy fan once again in January to the hated 49ers. Ladies and gentlemen, Chad Miles. Well, thanks, John. I feel like I need to go see a therapist after uh, you saying all that. Yeah, but I didn't realize how tough I've had it. Uh, you know, growing up, when, you, when you're our age, um, you know, when we were in high school, John and I, uh, the Cowboys couldn't do any wrong. I mean, we, we thought we'd – 
you know, we were getting Super Bowl championships uh, every year. And so, you know, you kind of uh, uh, that becomes the standard. And then you look back and you're like, man, we haven't been there in quite some time and, and I'm old. So, uh, yeah, it is pretty frustrating. You know, you know, a lot of people think that we're stuck because of, uh, you know, Jerry Jones and just his unwillingness to kind of let his hands off the wheel. Uh, well, you know, we're pretty frustrated. Dak had a, a terrible performance. Um, you know, he was uh, missing open receivers. He was, you know, throwing interceptions that he shouldn't have been throwing. He, you know, there's a pick six that was dropped. Uh, it could have been a lot worse than what it was. Um, and, you know, we're committed to him with a long-term contract. Uh, you know, we can get out of, in 24, but the dead money is, you know, it's almost – uh, 40 million in dead money uh, after that. And it's just like, Oh my goodness. Um, and then you've got, um, you know, your best player gets carted off with a broken leg. And, and uh, then you're stuck with Zeke who, you know, we're in a huge contract with Zeke, you know, and my opinion is that's where it all started when, you know, Zeke, uh, you know, holds out, he, he's tried, he pushes the hand of, of, of Jerry to sign a contract and, at the time, we were already questioning whether he had left it all on the field, and obviously he did. And so, you know, we make him uh, one of the highest-paid running backs in the league, and he's got nothing left. And then you got, uh, but the the staff still has this uh, reason to, you know, give him the more of the the snaps. I mean, it's just really frustrating when Pollard can is clearly the better back, back there. And now he's coming up with uh, end of his contract and we don't have money to sign him. And we're stuck with this, uh, you know, this young guy with old legs with a, <laughs> a bloated contract. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just frustrating. Uh, you know, you've got, you know, arguably the, the best uh, coach on the staff is going to be the one we lose in, in our defensive coordinator. You know, um, you know, everyone in town is talking about, Perhaps we need a new head coach or we need to get rid of the OC, uh, but we're likely stuck with them and the DC uh, Quinn's likely gone. So it is, it is pretty frustrating because the, there's not a, uh, yeah, there's no, uh, yeah, you can't see any light under at the end of this tunnel. Hey, we're the, the other two people on this feed that aren't Cowboys fans are Titans and Colts fans. So we completely <laughs> we completely understand where you're coming from. Yes. As a parent. At least y'all made the playoffs. You did. <clears throat> we did, but we gotta we gotta quit living uh in the you know in my high school years. You know, that was that was a long time ago. I'm gonna I'm, I've got all these grays uh, for a reason. Hatler, what do you, what were your thoughts? Get, get well, you take I mean, the floor here. That's the same thing that Chad had said. You know, I, I remember, and I don't know if Chad remembers this or not, but in I think it was 92 or 93, the Cowboys were going out to Candlestick to play the 49ers, and they had a huge pep rally in and a bunch of us, Sean Lazier, and I don't remember who else, we all loaded up in his little escort and drove out there, and we're just it was a great time to be in Dallas. I mean, it was so fun. And, Chad, like myself, is a big Ranger fan, too, and people just don't remember that in 2011, it was a perfect time for Rangers to be good because the Cowboys stumped, the Mavs were lackluster. But this is what the Dallas area sport fan, sports fans are getting used to, and quite frankly, it's unacceptable. And uh, 
it's ta- it's hard being a Cowboys fan these days. And like Chad said, that was 30 years ago. I mean, 30 years ago was when the Cowboys were, you know, they won that Super Bowl. I think it was in 94 maybe or in there, but it's been a long time. My 14-year-old daughter asked me last night, she said, did the Cowboys ever won any Super Bowls, Dad? I'm like, yeah, five. <laughs> five of them. But the last one was 30 years ago. <laughs> you know, I oh. just moved to Tennessee. So it, it was – it's painful. And it's Maybe just, you need to move back. Maybe that's what it is. Nah, what yeah, it is. yeah, that's it. I'm sure that's it. I'm the lucky charm. But, yeah. Whatever it takes. Come on back, John. Yeah, like I told my buddies back home, I said, when I moved to Tennessee, both states' IQs went up. So, you know, that's why that <laughs> Let's hear from Coy. Oh, goodness. Oh, you don't want to hear from me. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> oh, there he is. I'm – I'm old. I don't know how you work these newfangled uh, things here. Tell us how you feel. Tell us how you feel about the Dallas Cowboys on one twenty three twenty three. Oh, how I, <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking to these guys all day about this stuff. I'm the one lone Dak defender in the in this. Uh, oh, in this thing, but not a not a defender. I can't defend him for what he did yesterday. That was uh, that was that loss was one hundred percent on on Dak Prescott. But all I'm saying, I'm not really a Dak defender as much as I'm just. I'm at the reality of he's not going anywhere. We we're, we're we're locked into him for the next at least two or three years, and then and then I guarantee you this year they're going to have to restructure his contract to create money. So that's going to push kick that can down. So I'm, all I'm saying is, and for me to all my buddies are all saying, oh well, we're not winning a Super Bowl with him. We're not winning a Super Bowl with him. For me to say that would be for me to just give up any hope for the next three, four, five years that we're doing anything, and my cowboy loving heart won't allow that. You know what I'm saying? So I've got to try to figure out a way in my head to talk myself into going, no, we he's good enough. He's got the skills. Uh, we just need to, you know, get a new offensive coordinator, get a new voice, get something, you know, a new scheme that will fit him in it to keep going because we have the pieces. You know, I have to keep doing that for myself just to keep myself <laughs> Pledge, you know what I'm saying? Now, have y'all have y'all came to a point where y'all have start you know thought about starting to go fund me to, to get Jerry Jones out of town because I think <laughs> we're at the point where it could <laughs> it could it could be Jerry Jones, guys. Have we have we thought about that yet? We've all known that since the get-go. I mean, I remember the Tom Landry Appreciation Day parade and the I hate Jerry I hate Jerry shirts that they were selling. I mean, when we got rid of Jimmy Johnson, it was over. And until we get – until he will give up the reins to someone whose last name isn't Jones to be the general manager, th- this is just going to be a rep- – it's going to be a cycle over. I love where Coy's head's at. I mean, I, I, I wish I could talk myself in. I could will myself into believing that it's going to be okay. But it's it, – I just can't get there anymore. I, I love Dak Prescott as a human being. I think he's a wonderful person. You guys remember when UT Martin played them and they were number one in the country and we covered the spread in Vegas against them. I mean, Dak Prescott was a huge guy, great story, mom passing away and all that stuff. I, as a quarterback, I just don't think the Cowboys are ever going to get where we need to go. Coy and I were some of the last Tony Romo apologists in the world, too. <laughs> we loved us some Tony Romo, still do. But I just don't think that it, until Jerry Jones lets loose the stuff and, and go, it's we're going to be dealing with this. Every third week of January till Kingdom Come. Well, I guess I guess now we know it takes Bezos money to to buy uh, <laughs> NFL franchises, and yeah, I don't know if uh, 
How long did it take for a GoFundMe to, to get the Bezos money? <laughs> hey, I understand that completely. If you're just joining us, thank you for joining us on the Tri-State Sports Program. We've kind of taken a left turn today. We had John Hatler on. He's uh, if if you if you just are if you just now are getting into the show, we're in the middle of a Dallas Cowboy fan group chat. Is what we're in the middle of right now. <laughs> They're starting to tell us a little bit about what's going on with the franchise, and you know. Like I said earlier, to uh, I'm gonna call him Skip. I think his name's Chad, but his name's Skip on the feed here. Uh, I told him earlier that John and I, John Thornton and I, are cowboy or not cowboy Colts and Titans fans, so we completely understand where these Cowboys fans are coming from. But so far, they're just letting us know how they how they feel about their team currently. And it, I think we've getting we've gotten to the point where uh, Hatler, I guess you guys are about ready to throw the towel in. I am. I mean, I've, I've been warming up my arm for two years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm on that wall. I'll die on that wall. But luckily, <laughs> luckily for me, I'm a Chiefs fan as well. So, like I tell these guys earlier, I said that's the only thing that's keeping me off the sports ledge. Is is every year when the Cowboys let me down, I've got the Chiefs to at least keep me going and uh, keep keep the uh, the barrel out of my mouth. But speaking, that, speaking speaking of the Chiefs, John Thornton, let's head over and let's talk about that one. Yeah, let's go to the AFC. We'll come back to the NFC here in a moment. Uh, so Kansas City defeats Jacksonville 27-20, going back to the AFC title game for the fifth straight year. Uh, but, again, Jacksonville did have a couple of chances late to come from behind. Two late Jags turnovers, though, kind of kept them out of the hunt. The big storyline that came out of this one is Patrick Mahomes with a high ankle sprain. Kind of gutted it out in the second half. Chad Henney did lead a 98-yard touchdown drive in the second quarter to kind of keep them afloat. But long-term, and we'll get to Cincinnati-Buffalo here in a minute, uh, concerned about Pat Mahomes. And where, where does where does Kansas City go with, with, with Mahomes can't go, but he says he's going to go. But even a Mahomes that, I mean, what, 70%? Is that good enough to beat Cincinnati next week? Coy, I don't think so. I mean, Coy, what do you think? You're the Cincinnati guy. Oh, yeah, well, a one-legged Mahomes is better than a two-legged Dak, I guess. But we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go with that. but uh, no, I don't. If he's hobbling around and hopping around on on one leg like he was this like, in, in this game, then against uh, against the Bengals, I don't with and with their pass rush and everything that they've got. I don't think we've got a we we've, we've got a chance, but. But I don't, we'll never say – when you have Mahomes, I think you always have a chance. Even if a one-legged Mahomes, you've always got a chance to do something. Chad? Yeah, the Bengals are tough. I mean, they looked incredible um, against the Bills um, in Buffalo, in the snow. I mean, that's, it, was a, it was a great backdrop for a game. And they just – man, uh, Joe Burrow is something else. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, the Chiefs need uh, two good legs – I don't know that they can get there with one. Well, that's one of the things that has kind of made Mahomes who Mahomes is, his ability to create plays and, and to extend plays and, and, you know, his mobility and improvisation are kind of one of his trademarks. And, and, John, and John Hatler, I'll throw this one to you, obviously. With him, with him not having that the way Cincinnati looked defensively yesterday kind of gives you some concerns if you're a Kansas City fan. Oh, I would think so too. I mean, Burrow's playing at a very high level. I mean, he's taking a lot of bumps, and uh, you saw the stats yesterday. Sure, sacks, everything. He just keeps getting back up and, and going. And as Chad said, you go into Buffalo and, and play in that environment when 
we talked about before they came on. You really kind of was rooting for Buffalo and the DeMar Hamlin situation to kind of be that Cinderella team this year and to overcome all of that and go into Buffalo and pick up a huge win against uh, an unhealthy Patrick Mahomes. And kind of a, a team in, in Kansas City is getting a little older too. And you're still talking about a pretty young team in, in Cincinnati and what they're doing defensively. I, I, I like the Bengals. That's, that's kind of who I'm pulling for the rest of the way. Well, looking at that Cincinnati-Buffalo game, I mean, I told Jordan this. The thing that stuck out to me, it wasn't that thinking about a Cincinnati win was was foreign. It, it was the way Cincinnati did it, physically bullying the Bills on both lines of scrimmage. Uh, I mean, running the football effectively. Joe Burrow was as good as you would think he would be. But, I mean, Josh Allen's under pressure all day. Joe Burrow's carving up that defense. They're running the ball for five, six, seven yards a pop with regularity. It felt like they controlled the tempo the whole game and, I mean, really just kind of sucked the life out of Orchard Park. And, I mean, it, it was pretty apparent early that Buffalo wasn't going to be there for, long, for very long. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one thing that that game taught us that we kind of already knew at this point is that when you make it this far in the postseason, when you're still playing at, at this point, you got to be able to run the football. And, you know, the Bengals were able to do that. I understand Joe, Joe Burrow was extremely good in the passing game, but – Every time they got something going, they also sprinkled in some uh, runs there, and it allowed Mixon to go for, you know, eight to ten yards of carry there for a little while. I mean, he was just having his way uh, on the ground, which, again, what, what Chad said earlier, watching that game in the snow was, was really cool, and I think a lot of people would probably lean towards Buffalo before it kicks off based off of what we knew the forecast was. But the Bengals came out. Joe Burrow started nine of nine for 105 and a touchdown. Um, you can't ask for a better start on the road. Is there a guy in the NFL that – is as comfortable as Joe Burrow is in the playoffs. It's hard to find yeah, one. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, and and that's the other thing you got to uh, count in there is this game is now going to be at Arrowhead Stadium. Where before, if it was with against the Bills, it would have been in Atlanta, I guess I said. But so you got to count the uh, Arrowhead uh, Stadium and the home crowd there, and the Chiefs do uh, do really well there. So you got to count. Yeah, that. It's a terribly hard place to play, but I mean that's just that's his you know base leg. I, yeah, it's, it's going to be hard for him to overcome that injury. Yeah, and that's going to be the big factor is obviously how healthy will Mahomes be. But you know, you talked about how comfortable is Joe Burrow. I, I couldn't believe the the troll there at the end. Better send those refunds. What a what a one liner to walk off with on the interview. Um, he he's nothing short of confident, uh, but. Where does Buffalo go from here? Obviously, this is the third straight year they've kind of come up short in, in various capacities and saw, saw a very animated Stefan Diggs on the sideline after the game. Obviously, some uh, notes about him leaving the locker room early. Uh, is Stefan Diggs back in Buffalo next year? Do we think there's some noise behind that in the offseason? I mean, I think that would depend on the next 48 hours. I mean, was does Diggs come out and have a mea culpa? Uh, does he – apologize for emotions getting in the way. I, I, other than that, I don't know why you let him go. I mean, I don't think the guy's a bad guy, but I think the next 48 hours will be critical to how he responds to that situation. I think the, the inconsistency this year, to answer your question about where does Buff, Buffalo go, I think the inconsistency this year offensively was running the ball. I mean, they, they never did commit to a back. They have for the last couple of years been trying to go with Singletary. Um, but there was times this year, at least the games that I watched of theirs, um, that I thought James Cook might have been a little bit of a better back and gave them a little bit more of a spark offensively. So 
I think they got to go get a guy um, and offensively to be able to consistently run the ball and be consistent for him. And then also defensively, you know, the reason they went and got a Von Miller in the offseason was because of that game against Kansas City last year because they really couldn't get to the quarterback. And then, of course, Von Miller gets hurt. They had a lot of injuries defensively. Um, so maybe if they get healthy defensively, maybe go get another guy that can help them defensively, but also somebody that I think gives them a uh, an every down back because I think they were very, very inconsistent running the football this year. I'm about to make the Cowboys fans in this uh, in this chat room very upset because I just had a, a light bulb of a moment. One of you guys earlier said Tony Pollard is a free agent. Well, we just noticed that Buffalo needs a running game. Oh, Tony Pollard to Buffalo. I got. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll solve your digs problem. We'll give you Zeke for digs, and we'll, we'll call it today. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> I would think Pollard and Buffalo would be. Absolutely terrifying, though, if that were to happen. So, uh, obviously, next week you've got the Bengals going to the Chiefs at 5.30 p.m. on CBS. That's the night game for the AFC title. We have not talked as much about the other NFC game of the weekend, which not much to discuss as the Eagles absolutely crushed the Giants 38-7. to You know, there were questions about Jalen Hurts' health for the majority of the week and kind of the last couple of weeks, and he looks fine. Um, and the Eagles clicked on all cylinders and absolutely crushed the Giants. And so Eagles and 49ers for the NFC Championship, which I know is probably about as painful for you Cowboys fans as possible to have your hated divisional rival and your hated playoff rival fighting for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So, uh, But thoughts on the game itself and, and the Eagles going forward and the 49ers going forward? Yeah, guys, I, I I can't sit here and listen to this about the Eagles. So I'm just <laughs> jumping off right now. So, so appreciate you guys. Yeah. Uh, go Cowboys. <laughs> no, no Eagles. Anybody but the Eagles. That's what I'm cheering for. Thanks, Thanks for coming on. on. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's no way I can handle the smugness and cockiness of. Uh, of Sirianni, if he makes it to the Super Bowl, the guy has the most punchable face in pro football, and uh, yeah, and I think I, I really do think I've never missed a Super Bowl probably since I was a kid. I really don't think I could watch if Sirianni made it to the Super Bowl. I don't think I could stomach it. So I would just spend the day getting drunk and. <laughs> there you go. That's all we need. That's, that's, that's oh man. Hattler, do you have any thoughts on that NFC Championship game? That I told you earlier, I'm pulling for the Bengals for that reason, that reason only. I mean, I can't stomach the fact of watching those two teams play uh, each other. I'll, I will watch the game just hoping both teams don't score and uh, putting the NFL in a complete frenzy where they end overtime with um, no score and then neither one of them can score and all the other overtime stuff, and then they just award it to the, whoever wins the AFC. That's where I'm at. I can't – but I, I said that's why I'm rooting for the Bengals. I can't stand the other three teams that are left. I, well, I, I like the Chiefs, but I, the other two in the NFC, I can just kick rocks. Do we, do we think – unbiased, because I know you all don't want the NFC to win, but do we think the AFC championship is pretty much the Super Bowl? Do we think those are the best two teams left? No, I do not. I think the 49ers and the Eagles are both good defensively enough to give whoever the AFC champion is some trouble. 
Um, I definitely think the Eagles, I'm not as certain about the 49ers because I'm not as huge a believer in Brock Purdy as everyone else is, but in a shootout, I think the Eagles could go blow for blow, maybe not win the game, but I, I don't think it's as a big of a lock if Cincinnati or Kansas City wins. I think Cincinnati is going to win now. I, I just don't know with Mahomes' health. Um, you know, before a week before with a healthy Mahomes, I'm going to the Chiefs for the revenge, but right now, Burrow and the Bengals playing way too good. They're they're out for blood, and uh, but I don't think it's a lock. I, I think the Eagles would. I think an Eagles Bengals Super Bowl would be better than 49ers Bengals. I just don't know that the 49ers would have the firepower, but the 49ers defense is really good. So yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know that you could just say it's it's the AFCs to lose. I think I think the AFC champion wins it personally. Hatler. Oh, I, I, I mean, I, I do. I think the make is too good. Uh, I love the way that San Francisco can run the football. Uh, and you always – you never – like, was it uh, – was it – I don't remember what movie it was. You never mess with a dude on a winning streak. Oh, it was um, – oh, Kevin Costner. Movie, baseball movie, Bull Durham. Oh. Never, mess with, never mess with a winning streak. And with as far as Purdy goes, he's playing very, very well. He made plays when he had to last night, and I just got to stay with uh, San Francisco comes out of that game, and I think the Bengals beat San Francisco in the Super Bowl. Coy? Oh, yeah. Eagles are out on me. You say that San Francisco doesn't have the the firepower. I mean, they've got all the playmakers you need. you got McCaffrey. you got Mitchell on the back. you got Debo. you got Ayuk. you got Kittle. You got all, and then that defense, they've got everything they need to 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 make the run. And I got to hope that they, I mean, as much as I don't like San Francisco, I hate the Eagles. So uh, I've got to go with, I got to go with them. And then, of course, my Chiefs are my only, uh, like I said, the, my only saving grace, my only hope in this world of happiness. So I, so I've got to hope for our 49ers, Chiefs. Super Bowl, and because I, I always thought Montana looked better in Chiefs red anyway. So you got a, you got a one-legged Mahomes and a cheeseburger Andy that hopefully will add you, put you in happiness for the off season. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's not that I think the 49ers don't have weapons. It's more Joe Burrow or Brock Purdy. I mean, yeah. that's that's where I'm at. You mean quarterback play? You mean there's two minutes left and it's tied? You're taking Joe Burrow? Obviously. Absolutely, I'm taking Joe Burrow, yeah. especially since Joe Burrow's been there before. Now, I mean. Yeah. You know, Brock Purdy, not that Brock Purdy can't be a very good player, but, I mean, I just, you know, again, I, I just, the way Joe Burrow's playing right now, I would lean him. Let's take another break. When we come back, we'll take a look at local high school basketball here in the Northwest Tennessee area, get some thoughts from John Hatler on all of that. Stay tuned. More coming up right after this on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. For your next car or truck, come see Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Jerry Ward and his all-star team have a lot filled with pre-owned small, mid-sized, and full-sized cars, SUVs, and nice trucks, too. And if they don't have the right size, they'll find it for you, no matter what you're looking Looking for? Score your next ride at Jerry Ward Autoplex, Real Foot Avenue in Union City, or online at JerryWardAutoplex.com. Like Jerry always says, don't dream it, drive it. Be a winner with Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Segment four on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. We're joined today by John Hatler, the Executive Director of the Weekly County Sports 
Hall of Fame. And so, John, normally we do this at the beginning of every show. We normally just kind of go through all the records of the weekly O'Brien uh, school teams. But I'm just going to kind of toss it to you and you give me kind of a note that you that sticks out to you about these uh, basketball programs, where they're at right now in weekly O'Brien County. Uh, you've got Union City, Westview, Dresden, O'Brien Central, South Fulton, Gleason, Greenfield. I'm just going to give you the floor. What sticks out for these uh, seven programs this season, boys and girls basketball? Gleason, Greenfield, South Fulton, Dresden, boys and girls, the battle that that district is shaping up to be. Every one of those schools is one play away from finishing first or fifth. I mean, that's that's how competitive and the parity that's going on. It also helps, especially on the girls' side, the top-end coaches that you have uh, at those programs. It's really showing up right now, which is pretty cool. Uh, as far as uh, the, the rest of them, Obine Central boys just seeing if they can sustain – that offensive firepower, they didn't play very well against Westview on Saturday night. And then, of course, the Westview girls are, are really the team beating the state still. I think the, the first – they got a test the other night against Huntington. I think that's going to be a tough game. But uh, I think it, you're, you're starting to see a little bit of, of parity, so to speak, in single A, double A. It's really kind of uh, Westview girls to lose. And that double A boys, it's – I know we're going to get mile. It's probably miling than everybody else. You don't think Gibson County in that boys' district? Well, in the in the, the only reason I would say I really like what Coach Lowry does at Gibson County, but I saw them come to Westview, and when Ethan Turner got in foul trouble, Westview was able to push them. And Westview was able to keep it close enough for a while, even with Ethan Turner in the game, that that that, that I think somebody can get – I think Milan will – We'll have we'll be okay against Gibson County. Now the expert with Milan, uh, Yates. I've been Yates is hurt for Milan, and mm. that's a big blow to Coach James and the uh, Bulldogs. But I, I really think it's it's Milan's district to win again. Uh, Gibson County in second, but don't be surprised if if Gibson County plays bad one night and one of these other teams knocks them off. Will be interesting to see how that one unfolds on the Union City side. Definitely want to shout out. Uh, Amari Bonds, who obviously winding down her senior year right now. Uh, we were told this morning she is six points shy of 2,000 points for her career and wow. is set pretty much – I mean, you would think she'd cross that that threshold tomorrow night and would become the second all-time girls basketball player at Union City High School to cross that threshold. So um, would be will be a great moment for her probably, I would imagine, on uh, on Tuesday night. And so congratulations to her on an incredible career there. Uh, John, have you had the West Tennessee AP polls come out today? I haven't even taken a look to see if those have come out. You have any new – you're looking for it right now. I didn't know if you could tell us if anything sticks out to you on those polls. I have the ones from last week, uh, but I didn't know if there was any great movement or any great shakes that needed to be mentioned. They've not released them yet, uh, or at least they've right. not been emailed you know, the only thing is, I think that uh, on the on the for locally, Gibson County's making a run. I think Huntington and John Thornton and I had a really good conversation on the girls' side about this. I think Huntington is. I didn't really know if they were the fourth best team in the state. Uh, I think they're the second best team in this district, and I think that they're going to give West Westview's going to have all they want when they go to Huntington. Uh, really shocked me. I mean, I think the polls are. You know, there's some things I would disagree with, but it's more about who's voting who where. 
Uh, I believe Westview needs to be unanimous number one in girls on double A. I don't understand why they're not. But I also understand how the game is played in these high school associated press polls, too. So uh, there was nothing really odd from last week that stuck out at me either. It's just it's about to start separating themselves. I mean, it, it's about to start shaking out in the next uh, 14 days. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're coming down to the final five games of the regular season, four or five games, depending on where you are at. Anything stick out boys-wise from these AP polls? Obviously, we talk a lot of girls in this neck of the woods because of how good the girls' programs are. Uh, but the boys, anything on that side of things that, that kind of stick out? Crockett County boys getting that number two spot in AAA. Uh, they, they've been a program for a while. that you, It's kind of nice to see them recognized uh, up there. I hope they don't bail on Obine County because of the loss to Westview and drop them out of the top ten. So I still believe they're a top ten team. But at the end of the day, Fayetteware, Haywood, all those guys down there are going to be the – now your Jackson South sides, the folks like that, they're going to be the cream of your crop when it when it just comes down to it. Although you know, that Triple A and Jackson South side and all that, it's just those are the cream of your crop. I didn't, nothing stuck out to me. I think everybody's where they need to be. Let's go to Michael Odom's West Tennessee rankings. Obviously, take a look at West Tennessee as a whole here. This is kind of interesting to me. So. Let's look at these rankings. Number one, he's got Jackson Southside followed by Westview, Gibson County, and Huntingdon. Then South Gibson, Dyer County, Riverside, Dresden, McKenzie, TCA, Crockett County, and South Fulton. On the bubble, Fayetteware, Jackson Christian, McNary, Scottsdale, and USJ. You know, you just said, John, honestly, having seen the two teams this year, uh, I would certainly say I think the Huntington girls are better than the Gibson County girls, even though they have a win. I mean, Huntington, we talked about it very long, very athletic. They can press. They can get inside. They can shoot. Um, and, you know, you had kind of filled me in on the story of that Gibson County game, how well Gibson County had shot the basketball. So do you kind of agree with with Odom's sentiment and anything else kind of stick out from this list here? I mean, putting on my blue and gold glasses, I'm probably putting Westview in the one spot. Uh, just based on history, based on the fact defending double-A state champion, although Jackson Southside – I wouldn't be shocked if they went in AAA this year. So, you know, tomato, tomato, one and two. I'd have Huntington ahead of Gibson County just simply because of, I do believe Huntington's better than than Gibson County, and that's not a knock on Gibson County. Gibson County shot about 70%, bombed some threes on Huntington when they played in Dyer that night. Uh, I think USJ's being slept on. I think Halen Ayers is a, as a puts her – she'll put them in the top. 12 to 15 just because of who she is. So I think he's probably underrated a tick. I still think McKenzie is probably better than Riverside, uh, probably better than Dyer County, but they've had a couple of, of injuries that have kept them there. So, no, I mean, overall, Michael Odom does an excellent job. You know, it, it, when you're talking about flipping two people in a poll, that's high praise for a guy that puts the poll together. I mean, it's not like he's got Westview at five. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, he, he's, he does an excellent job covering this area, and, I, and I, I do like his list. I just do think USJ is probably undervalued a bit. Jordan, anything stick out to you from those rankings? I mean, I, I think, obviously, when you look at um, Southside Westview girls, I mean, those those two have been in the conversation around this area for a while as some of the best programs. Southside's kind of not been able to get over that hump when they get to the state tournament. Upperman's really been the team that's put the, been the thorn in their side a little bit. So I know Coach McNeil is wanting to uh, definitely 
you know, go beat them this year. And hopefully it's just not a situation where they know – uh, where they think they know that they're a lock to get to the state title play up from because you, you don't know how it's going to work out, you know, in the state tournament. So um, hopefully they're not looking ahead and they can uh, continue to take care of business. But last year, and Hatler, I know you follow this as well, uh, pretty close with each girls team once you get close to the end of the year. I think Southside had a good chance to win if uh, Jelks doesn't tear ACL. I mean, she probably, if she doesn't tear ACL last year, I mean, look what she's doing to UT Martin right now. That could be a big factor. And they lost by – I believe three or four. So you you telling me she she isn't good for five points in the state title game? Hey, <laughs> so, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree so with you. I will I bring up one question because I mean it's really easy, and this is seriously. I mean I, I haven't been able to see Westview this year, but it's really easy every year and every really every year and every show we get on here this time of year and talk about how good Westview's girls are, and they are. I mean they're really really good. But I want to be the one person in the room to ask this to Hatler, and I know you guys have seen them. What's the one thing Hatler that you think? could beat them because I know they're really, really good, but is there anything that is stands out that goes, okay, if you can do this against Westview, you, you got a good chance to beat them. I think there's two things. One of them be self-inflicted. The other one would be because the other team can do it. I think if a team has success getting the ball to the middle of that hellacious two, three defense that they run, yeah, the team good, can consistently be, get the ball to the middle of the zone, make a 12 foot jump shot, or be able to kick it out and drop threes, that could be Westview's undoing. That would be something another coach and team does. For Westview, and I, and I want to, like my dad said, you know, my dad made the comment, he said, you want to sit there and say that Westview lives and dies by the three. And there's an element of truth to that. The problem is there's five girls for Westview that can shoot the three. And the chances of five girls going dead cold on one night from beyond the arc, that that would have to happen and be very unusual. But at the end of the day, they've got Jada Harrison. And people, it's much like Ty Simpson at Westview. You know, very undervalued. She Ty was an excellent football player. And if you didn't live in Northwest Tennessee and you watch him play, you walked away going, man, that kid's definitely mm-hmm. Alabama good. Mm-hmm. Jada Harrison is better than Middle Tennessee State, but the NIL and everything, that's a whole other conversation. But this is a team last year. Jada Harrison was two-tenths of a point off of being the leading scorer. She led the team in rebounds, assists, steals, deflections, uh, second shooting percentage. She's the complete package. And if you're in this area, you need to go watch her play. And when chips are down, like the Huntington game, give me the basketball and I'll take care of you, Coach. And that's what they've got that most teams just don't. I mean, I I was really excited. The Bonds and and Harrison I thought was going to be a fun matchup for four years, and it has been. But uh, at the end of the day, Westview's got Jada Harrison. But the two things that will get them beat, going cold from beyond the arc and somebody exploiting that 2-3. And at this point, nobody's done that. Is Huntington the team that can kind of effectively do that? Yeah. (laughs) After what I watched the other night, um, I think they can. I mean, it's Westview, the Lily Key, the post player for Huntington, number 24, she went bonkers, and she and it's a testament to her of how hard she's worked and how her parents, her mother, has load-managed her. She didn't let her go play all this crazy AAU stuff. She spent her time in the gym, and that showed up the other night awesome. uh, in the post. And uh, the, the, what's the thing, the Singleton Gerd sisters that play for, for Huntington are very good. Uh, they're the type of team that could give Westview trouble. Uh, but, again, it'll have to be because five shooters go cold for Westview and somebody exploits a 
be interesting to watch that unfold, especially at the District 12 AA Tournament, which will be coming up here in the next couple of weeks. On the boys' side, these were Odom's rankings. And, John, you kind of tell us what you make of these. He's got Middleton at one, Haywood at two, Crockett County three, Henry County four, Fayetteware at five, Dyer County six, Northside at seven, Dyersburg at eight, Gibson County nine, Camden at 10, Milan 11, McKenzie at 12, with Jackson Christian, Sacred Heart, and TCA on the bubble. You know, Jordan, we talk about this a lot too before we get we give this back to Hatler. I want to mention, you know, Coach Cisco always beefs up that boys' schedule for Union City. They've played Haywood, Crockett County, Henry County, and Fayetteware. Those are four of the top five on that list. I mean, wow. I mean, that, that is crazy. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it yeah, the other night. I mean, when you're – I don't want to say things because I'm really ignorant to knowing what's going on because I've only been to a few games, so I'm not going to be that guy that's going to sit here and act like I know everything about the team. Um, but it almost feels like they've got a lot to figure out. Obviously, he didn't know that Malachi Brooks was going to get hurt. Um, but for Union City, I mean, when you know that you are going to struggle, and, I, and it may be because people wouldn't play him, but this schedule, I mean, you had to know it was going to be brutal. I mean, it's it's been extremely tough on a team that, you know, already was probably coming into the season not expecting. Uh, they probably were, but a lot of people weren't putting them as one of the top five, six teams in the state. Um, so, I mean, I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be tough, I mean, down the stretch here. And, and John, I mean, it's – you've been watching them a lot, John Thornton. You've been watching them a lot this year. You've caught every game. And, I mean, one thing you've continued to tell me is, you know, will this team continue to play? Because at some points in the games, it doesn't look like they will. Yeah. It's been a hard season sometimes. <laughs> yes. uh, John, your take on, on Michael Odom's rankings there. Uh, the only – and, again, I've not seen Northside, uh, Fayetteware, or Crockett County or Haywood play. I'll, I'll They're better than Dyersburg. Dyersburg's pretty good. I mean, I, I saw them the other night. Uh, Ace Mahaffey at – the coach's kid is uh, – he's so dangerous. You're running several 6'4", 6'6", kids out there. But, you know, again, Odom stays on top of this, so I'm going to defer to him at that eight spot. But, man, Dyersburg's good. And, and Blaine Mahaffey, for my, in my estimation, is probably top three, and I won't tell you which one. I think, I, I think Blaine's probably the best boys basketball coach in West Tennessee. Wow. Um, awfully hard to beat him and what he does and what he's built at Dyersburg. I've watched him do it at two other schools, McNary Central and Ripley, where he's built programs. And he's done that at Dyersburg now. He's got height, he's got athleticism, and he's got a top-notch point guard. So um, that that's the one that I think everybody ought to watch is Dyersburg. We know Norway's been good. Uh, Fayetteware, you know, Crockett's in there. Haywood, Middleton's Middleton. Coach Berkeley does an excellent job with the boys and girls. Uh, down there with the Tigers. But Dyersburg is the one that I really think people around Northwest Tennessee need to keep their eyes on. be interesting to see how it all unfolds. We are hurtling toward postseason play as we've kind of hit the last couple of weeks here in January. February turns the page, and it will be district and regional tournament time. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show on the other side with the stock market. Stay tuned right here on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. 
Are you looking for a place to sit back, relax, and support your favorite sports teams? It's the Hawk's Nest Bar and Grill in Martin. On Mondays, $3 well shots and $1 90 light cans. Also, weekly cornhole tournaments with $10 blind draws. Sign ups at 6 and bags fly at 7. Titsy Tuesdays, trivia night, $2 well tequila shots, $2 90 cans, two for one well shots, and also $2 tacos. Wednesday, wing Wednesday with 50 cent wings. Karaoke on Thursday and each and every weekend, live music. So be sure to stop by and support your favorite local bands at the Hawk's at 105 Church Street in Martin. Final segment of the show today on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. Wrapping things up as we typically do with the stock market. We make various predictions and buy or sell, agree and disagree. Since we were just talking high school basketball, let's start with that and we'll continue that conversation. On the girls' side, Westview and Huntington both will reach the 2A state tournament. Do you buy or sell Hatler? I'm buying that one. I think both of them are good enough to do it. Uh, I think uh, Westview is good enough to go on the road to either Loretto. Well, let me take that back. I'm going to – yeah, I'm going to buy it. Okay. I think uh, uh, Summertown's going to be who you got to go through. And I think Westview is good enough. These two teams, Westview is good enough to go to Summertown and win if they don't win the region. So I'm going to buy both of them, make the state tournament. That's a, that's, that's the question though: is can one on win on the road? Because that would be what would have to happen. I don't think there. I don't think I don't think Huntington can go to Summertown and win. They can go to Loretto and win. But I don't think they can go. I'm going to sell because I'm going to sell because I think Westview wins it, and then Huntington has to travel and they lose. Yeah, that's what I, I that's where I would sell. I think Huntington at least makes it to substate, but you know, we've talked about it. Summertown, Loretto, you know, John, you and this is part of our conversation last week. Two really hard places to go and play. Um and the, it'll be tough for the road team to go and now, do that. Huntington, Westview, or Gibson County one's getting left in the they're getting eliminated in the district tournament, correct? Region. Region, region okay. and I think that'll be Gibson County. I mean, I, Micah Hart. Oh, she can play. I mean, she. There's been times in that Westview uh, Gibson County matchup over the last two years. She's been the best player on the floor in certain quarters. Uh, but I just don't. I just don't think Gibson County has the firepower to to keep up with Westview or Huntington. Uh, now again, Huntington lost at Gibson County. Okay, Gibson County shot the eyes out. So I think that's got a lot to but, do with it. Would Gibson County be in the field in the state tournament if they were in a different district? That's the question. Because, you know, one of them's – them Huntington or Westview, one's got to lose, and it's just a – it sucks that they're all in one district. <laughs> Again, I, I don't know. Put a, lot, put a lot of qualifiers on it. I think Gibson County could make the state tournament in AA if they hosted that sectional final. Yeah. I think they could. But I don't think – I don't think they can go on the road to a Summertown or a Loretto and win that game. I mean, now they did what they did last year. So, I mean, not saying they can't do it, but you had a presence in the post in Madison Hart. Summertown's post is back. So, whoever's got to go down there is going to have to either make a lot of threes or have someone that can match the size in the post for Summertown. On the boys' side, since we're talking a lot of District 12 AA ball here, Gibson's County's boys will make another run to Substate. I'll buy. I'll buy that too. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a dunk. Um, I think they'll have to go on the road again. But I think after the experience they had last year, uh, going to Summertown, that that's going to be invaluable for them. Coach Lowry gets it done. Jordan, 
I mean, not just from what I've heard. I, I told you my granddad, my mom's stepdad, he goes to every Gibson County basketball game. So he uh, he calls and tells me about, you know, how good the teams are. And it's it says a lot, John, for him to talk more about the boys' team than he does the girls' team because he talks about the girls' team. So he's telling me all about this boys' teams and how good they could be. If uh, things go well for him, so I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, yeah, I think they, I think they get a good opportunity to do so. I do too because I kind of disagree with John. Just having watched both Milan and Gibson County, I just think Gibson County scores it better than Milan does. Um, and, and I mean, defensively, I know Milan's really good defensively, yeah, but I would agree. I, I just think at the end of the day, Gibson County is able to score it more. So that's where I would say I think Gibson County is going to host the Substate game because I think they win the region and they wow. put Milan on the road. Because I, you know, I know Camden's on the other side. I know Waverly's over there. I don't, you know, but we looked up last year, and it was Gibson County Milan for the region final, and only one team from the other the other district in this region even made it to the semifinals. So, and that's because Westview laid an absolute egg at home against Stewart County. So you know, and I don't, and I don't disagree at all. I, I just, I, I know this that for my thirty years here. Uh, most all of which have been involved in some shape or form with high school athletics for the past 25. I love what Coach Lowry does at Gibson County. I'm telling you, that he's probably the most underrated coach around on the boys' side. But Jason James turned around a mile and a basket – well, he didn't make him a basketball school, but he put them being a basketball school in the conversation in one year. I was about to say, Derek, Derek Carr. Derek Carr's about to join the chat. You need to be careful. Oh, oh, I mean, hey, you know, but Derek, I mean, Derek, Derek will tell you. I mean, you got you got guys a relationship there where Derek wants his kids playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Coach James wants his playing baseball. So you have a symbiotic relationship with head coaches of your sports. That speaks volumes to Coach Carr and Coach James. It really does. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, I, when Coach when Jason James walks in the gym. More often, unless he's coaching against Blaine Mahaffey or Willie Trevathan, I'm gonna put him up 15 from the jump. That's that's how much he brings to the table, and, uh, and that's that's the only reason I, I put Milan that far ahead of Gibson County is Jason James. And having that experience of making the title game last year too. Yes, that's yes, that's, that's, that's true. That is very true. Uh, let's go to the NFL here. This was kind of one I got saw getting thrown around on Twitter. Joe Burrow has surpassed Josh Allen as the number two quarterback in the NFL with Mahomes being the assumed number one. Buy or sell Hatler? Man, I like both these guys so much. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy it just simply because of who's on the edge for Joe Burrow to throw it to. He's not having to deal with the mess that Josh Allen is. Uh, so I, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to take Joe Burrow as past Josh Allen. And I don't like that. I don't like that either, but I am. Jordan, I'm going to buy it too. I mean, I, I if you look at playoff resumes, Josh Allen's is just like Ryan Tannehill's. So I That's mean, true. I understand that we we can judge a quarterback based off of the entire year, and obviously Josh Allen is way better than Ryan Tannehill. We don't have to say that, but I think because Joe Burrow is what five and zero now, is that right? Five and zero in the playoffs. Five and one, I mean, if you count the five, Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah, he lost the Super Bowl. Five and one, so. Uh, five and zero getting to the Super Bowl, obviously, but he he's been really really good, and I think that when it's winning time, Burrow has been better than Allen. And you know, the one thing for the Bengals that I've seen a lot of people talk about, it just in the last you know since the game ended yesterday, the last twenty four hours or so, is are they going to be able to pay all these guys? Because they're going to have to pay Burrow, they're going to have to pay uh, Chase. 
So are they going to lose a T. Higgins, who brings a lot to the team, uh, or any any of the other weapons? So I think if they're going to make their their run, it's got to happen pretty soon. But, yeah, yes, I would buy it. I know I went around the world there, but I would buy that. I buy it too. I mean, like you guys said, the playoff success is there. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think it just Burrow has come up – I can't remember what the stat was, but Josh Allen, until they came from behind and beat the Ravens this year, I don't think had – a big comeback win in his career. He was either up big and winning games, or if he was down, it was over. Uh, and that's not a knock against Josh Allen. He's a tremendous player. But Joe Burrow, it just seems like in, in crunch time situations, has been there to make play after play after play. I mean, you, you look back, you go back to that Chiefs game last year. They were down, what, 24 to 3, 21 to 3 in the AFC title game. And mm-hmm. he brings them all the way back. Uh, I mean, that guy is built for the big moment. Um, it, it's hard to go against Burrow right now. Uh, next one. Brock Purdy will be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. Buy or sell, John? I'm going to sell it simply based on history. Uh, he's not Matt Castle. He's another Matt Castle. He's going to be another Jason Garrett, where they've had great job coming in in the backup role, and then somebody's going to throw a bunch of money at him, and it's just going to go to poo. Uh, you know, there's Steve Young is the only real quarterback in my mind that came in for an injured quarterback, played well, got that proverbial monkey off his back and was a franchise-type quarterback. I do think that Purdy's going to land somewhere and he's going to be a serviceable NFL quarterback. But to put the franchise tag on him, I'm going to sell that right now. Maybe I can buy it later, but I'm selling it right now. Jordan? I would add Tom Brady to that list because he did technically come in off an injury. I think he's – Go ahead and throw much, Kurt Warner in there. Kurt Warner did it too. As much as I can't stand Tom Brady, I mean, obviously got out of the list. Now, Brock Purdy, I don't think so. I haven't seen enough from him. Um, and last night, I mean, and, and Dallas's defense played pretty well. I mean, they were pretty much the only thing that did play well. Their quarterback sure didn't. But um, I, I think they kind of showed that he's not – I told you this last week, John – when, it, when the game is on the line with a minute and a half left and it's tied and, and they've done all they can to win him the game, will he be able to take them, say, 95 yards, say the ball's on the five? He's got to go 95 yards and win the game. I don't know that I believe that yet. I just don't know that. It, like, they have to throw the football. They don't have any timeouts. So, until I get to the point where I'm like, hey, this dude is, is the dude, then, no, I'm going to have to sell it. And let me kind of clarify this, too, on the Purdy deal. When in my mind, when somebody says Purdy's a franchise quarterback, that doesn't mean he's staying with San Francisco. Now yep. he made very well. Yes, Steve Young, Tom Brady. I mean, those guys stayed with with the programs that they came in in relief for, right? And, and were franchise quarterbacks. But no, I, you know, when the thing that I keep hearing is Purdy's going to go somewhere. He, he's Me really too. not. You know what I mean? So, kind of clarify that that I don't think he can leave and be a franchise quarterback somewhere else. I, I think agree. his best bet's going to stay in San Francisco. Yeah, I agree, and I, I sell too, and this is where I'm kind of at with it. I, I look at Brock Purdy as a, a newer version of Nick Foles, uh, you know, a guy who can come off the bench and can play really well and keep your team going. If and he's even maybe – what's that? If he's got good pieces. Yes, and, and he yeah. can, and, and good coaching around him, good play calling, and and I think he does, um, and I think he can make the best of it. But here's here's where the butt comes in. The other factor of this is similar to some of these other names that we've kind of thrown out there that were, you know, were good backups that kind of came off the bench, but then the starting role got thrust on them. 
you know, after NFL teams got several months of film on them and got a chance to sit down and digest it and look at them and say, okay, this guy has limitations. We're going to take this away from him. We're going to take this away from him. All of a sudden, your Nick Foles of the world and your other backups who had really good runs disappeared and became backups again. And I think that's kind of what we'll see with Brock Purdy. I just don't know that long-term he is a franchise guy that, that is going to carry a team to deep success. I think he can be a guy that can keep you going and can keep you afloat. I just don't think he he's the long-term solution. Last one here that we'll do today, this one really specifically for John. Jerry Jones will relinquish general management duties of the Cowboys within the next five years. Buy or sell, John? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell that because I believe as long as Jerry Jones thinks he has the mental capability to put a Super Bowl championship team together, his ego will force him to say, I was the GM when we won the Super Bowl. He's not going to be happy enough that he's the owner of the team and he hired the GM. He wants that owner slash GM title, and he can slide that little ring on his finger, get out from under the shadow of Jimmy Johnson, and say, I did it on my own. So I am selling – I mean, unless his mental capabilities wipe him out from doing it. If he's still lucid, I'm selling that. He will not get rid of the GM duties in the next five years. Jordan. I'm going to sell because I think they continue to do enough for him to believe that it's him. I think I, I, I really believe, and and John may. I guess you're gonna like this. I think they make an NFC Championship game in the next five years. I think no they chance. finally do it. He I says do. no chance. I, I, I I'm, 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 I'm loving on you for doing it. I think you've lost. No, your mind. I don't no, think there's the no reason. The reason I'm saying this is I think they go all out to make sure they got the talent to do it, but they're still gonna underachieve because it's gonna be one of the best rosters. I'm talking next five years. It's going to be one of the best rosters because they're getting tired of losing. So they're going to go get a whole bunch of players, probably get rid of their coach and hire a better coach. And they're still somehow going to fail. They're going to be looked at as one of the best teams in the league that year. They're going to get maybe to the conference championship and fail. And then Jerry Jones is going to believe that it's him. He's going to say, man, I've done it. It's me. So I'm going to sell because of that reason. I've got a weird take there, but that's where I'm at with it. I like your take, though. I mean, I see I'm married to a Cowboys fan, too. So it's kind of a – I see every time you talk about your wife, I'm still trying to figure out how on earth you scored her. I don't okay. I don't have a clue, man. I got lucky. I got lucky. <laughs> Anyways. I'm selling as well. Uh, yeah, I just – Jerry has to have the credit. And unless he's dead, which I know that's morbid, he, he's not – Hey, John. I mean, listen, I, I'm – He's Al Davis reincarnate. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm – this is where I was with Joe Paterno for years and years and years. Just a little bit, a slightly different. I thought Joe Paterno would die on a football field. I did not until, you know, now granted, he probably would have if the whole Jerry Sandusky stuff doesn't come out and make him have to get fired. So, um, barring a major scandal of, of skeleton in Jerry Jones's closet that has not become unearthed, Jerry Jones will die in a booth um, or, or die in a front office just because he is too stubborn, too egotistical to to step down. That, that's kind or of what in, I'm Or in an elevator, try and get down to field level after a win. There you go. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, gentlemen, well, any final thoughts today as we get ready? How to can we off? end on that? I guess we got to end on that. I we guess do. They, buy or sell that the Colts draft Will Levis, Hatler. Sell. I'm selling that. I don't think – I don't think – Will Levis is – you're see, look, you want to do that out of spite. You're – 
your your motivation, Jordan, is misplaced. If you really believe Will Levis was the best quarterback, but you don't, it's out of spite. <laughs> but, but again, I've really loved where your head's at today. I, I love it. But yeah, it's purely out of spite. If you were being we, serious, we need it as Titans fans, man. We we need that to happen. We need a lot of stuff to happen. I, I'm like my boy, my buddy Coy. It's Cowboys and Titans, and he, he's Cowboys and Chiefs, and this this getting tough. Hey, if the balls keep going up, I'll take it for a little while. Titans can suck. I'm balls are going to be around for a while. There's this this is the culture up there is where it needs to be, and the balls are going to be around for a while. And I'll submit to you too the reason Tennessee volunteers fell off the face of the earth is because the state of Tennessee got an NFL franchise. Think about it. Allegiances went. It's kind of like why Alabama is so good. It might as well be a professional team in the state. Doesn't have one. Interesting. Never thought about it that way. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us today. But for some reason, a lot of Titans fans aren't Vols fans or vice versa. But yeah, but used to a lot of people were going to Knoxville on Saturdays, and when Tennessee was at home, they were driving back to watch the Vols play on Sunday. And it was just – it ended up right. – yeah. it, it, right. And, it, and, I, and I'll submit to you that – just think about that. It would be a topic for somebody else. Okay. <laughs> John, thank you so much for joining us today, man. It's been a thrill to have you back. Hey, thanks for letting my buddies hijack the show. <laughs> Absolutely. My, phone, my phone's been blowing up over there. There's no telling what's on. Oh, there. man. Thanks, Hatler. Thank you, you indeed, Hatler. That's going to do it for our show today. For myself, John Thornton, for Jordan Taylor, for Weekly County – Sports Hall of Fame Executive Director John Hatler. Thank you all so much for joining us. Good afternoon and God bless from the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex.